Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. In episode four, Jeevana Heyman will be interviewing Nicole Cardoza, founder of Yoga Foster, Reclamation Ventures, and the Anti-Racism Daily newsletter, among many other things. Today, they're going to talk about embracing failure and how Nicole uses failure as a practice sometimes to help build resilience to meet whatever challenge comes her way. Some great lessons for us all in there. Jeevana and Nicole also discuss reclaiming our right to be well and what wellness means to each of them. Hi, Nicole. Hi. There? I'm here. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy you could join me. Um, you're actually my first, my first official guest um, oh, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored. Well, actually, I mean, I, I really picked you on purpose um, because I am just like so amazed by how much work you're doing and how quickly I feel you like, I, don't, I, hate, the word, I hate the word pivot, but you know, the, how quickly you're like addressing issues as they arise and like coming up with different formats for that. So that's what I was hoping to talk about with you was just like, in a way, I think for me, the theme that, that comes up for me is like, service like how do you um like make your yoga real like and that's what i see you doing yeah thank you just i'm just trying my best (laughs) i feel like for me i just try to figure out like how quickly i can fail at something does that make sense Try, you know, because I think about it very similar to my practice. Like when I first started exploring asana, it's like how quickly can I try something and understand like where where I can you know adapt and and grow my strengths and um, get into that space of discomfort. So I try to do that in my work. Oh my god, I love that. I, I love that. In fact, I, it's so funny you mentioned failure, but because I have a. Um, I was just reading a poem about failure and I was going to, I'm using it in my book, mm-hmm. but, but before we do that, I, I, maybe we could just hold that thought for a minute. I just wondered if you could, like, I want to kind of introduce you and maybe you can add, I, I don't have like a written formal in, like bio for you, but you know, um, we'll add that to the um, intro and show notes so people can read about your work. But I, I would just say what I, what I see you doing is like, it seems like you have three projects going. There's probably mm-hmm. more. So, <laughs> probably so there's yoga foster right so was, that was a project you started earlier um is that right that's right um, and yoga foster is what can you just describe it quickly like yeah we it's a nonprofit organization that aims to make yoga and mindfulness accessible to schools I started that in 2014 we have a an online training that school teachers can take to integrate these practices into the classroom. And we've recently built a library of, um, you know, diverse and inclusive practices, yoga and mindfulness practices for kids to practice during COVID mm-hmm. at home with their parents. So that's what we're up to. That's beautiful. And then um, Reclamation Ventures. Yep. So that's an early stage fund that's investing in um, entrepreneurs that aren't normally seen or celebrated in the wellness space um, to help their their work come to life. We've been doing a lot of relief funding over the past few months uh, for entrepreneurs that have been impacted by COVID. Yeah, that's been incredible. Um, just, I think you were the first 
person I saw doing that, just like directly getting money to people. That was just really powerful because you, you just did that so early on. Um, and now anti-racism daily, <laughs> which seemed like a really big project to me. Wow. Yeah, that was, there's a very unexpected one too. I, um, I had put on Instagram one, you know, right after the protest that I would send a daily email to anybody looking to like how they could take action to help, you know, fight racism and, um, thought it would be like a little email for family and friends kind of vibe. Behold us all. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it grew. We have about 90,000 subscribers. And so 90, wait, 90,000. Yeah. So you we got a, you got a lot of friends. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're big family. yeah. Big family and friends now. So it's a, it's really powerful. It's a, you know, it's a community of people that have really committed, you know, we're 70 days in. I launched on June 3rd. I think that's 70 days, something like that. Um, so I send out an email every day around, you know, uh, a current event uh, that's happening that's really demonstrative of how racism persists in America and then ways for people to take action. So sometimes that's signing a petition or contacting your local representatives. Sometimes that's in, being in deep reflection with yourself and actions that you might have taken in the past and anything in between. So, Yeah, and I have, I mean... Some of the stuff I want to talk to you about is what I've already gotten out of that. Like I I really enjoyed getting the newsletters and I've learned a lot. So I wanted to touch on that a little later, but let's, Oh yeah. So, so that's, that's what I just wanted to say that I, I'm just really um, blown away by these three projects that feel to me like, um, you know, connected, but also incredibly diverse. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm struck by it because I just, I don't see a lot of people doing that kind of thing in the yoga world. Um, what I see, and this is bigger than yoga. I realized like you're talking about bigger issues too, but, mm-hmm. um, I see people tend to like choose one thing and then they get kind of like all their energy has. And I could speak for myself, I guess, like with accessible yoga, it's just like, that's been my thing for so long. And it has many different related projects but um yeah i'm just curious about that about like your ability to shift and focus on different things in your life like does it go back to the failure thing like what is that it's just a practice of yours like yeah i you know i don't know it's I think part of it is like, I've always had to work like multiple jobs my entire life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like when I was in high school, I had a couple of jobs help support my family and I was like bartending and and being a line cook when I was in college. And so I I don't think I've ever just done one uh, vocation. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's just something that I just wired to do that. Um, and yeah, yeah, like as an entrepreneur, I've always thought about like how you hedge your bets, right? Like with doing a project and yeah. hoping that it works out and giving, you know, paying the bills and, and making sure you're fed and, and all of that. And now um, I feel like because I've had this much experience and I've had to spend a lot of time working on things that I didn't want to do, now that I have more time and more freedom, um, I want to be able to uh, invest in as many projects as possible. Um, and wow. you know, something else too, it's like, I, and I feel like with you as well, like you do do a lot of different things. Like you've, you've already written a book, you're writing another book, you have the podcast, you've put your training online. So I would say that even though you're working in, you know, on one thing, it, it there's so many different ways yeah. that it shows up. And I kind of feel like that's the same thing with me because all of this work is about making wellness more accessible. So it's kind of just looking at it in different angles, you know, and mm-hmm. how it like 
how it's realized, how it materializes in different spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it, does it feel like you're kind of um, just creating them spontaneously or like were these, had you planned on any of this? Like, I guess that's what I'm curious about. Are you just like, is your service just appearing as needed? Like anti-racism yeah. daily, you said that already. It kind of, it seems spontaneous in a way. Totally spontaneous, um, in a, in yeah. opportunistic in a way. Not so much with ARD because that was that was totally spontaneous, and it was honestly it was because so many people were messaging me or texting me about mm. what can I do. I'm like, listen, why don't I just send one email to everybody because I can't handle like all of these messages, right? And I think a lot of um, black people, black women, got a lot of messages from people asking like, what can I do to help? How can I? Support? So that was that. But, you know, with ARD, or sorry, with Reclamation Ventures, that was something where it was like, gosh, like, what are the challenges that I'm facing with Yoga Foster and how can I help solve those? And I kind of, mm. you're con- in my work, I'm constantly kind of like deepening my relationship to the why, right? Like my, my why is really about how do we solve the wellness gap and ensure that everybody has access. And at first that was doing Yoga Foster, which is you know, it's a program. And so it's like we redistribute capital to bring to schools, right? That's the nonprofit model. And then I started to see like, what are all of the issues within that, right? Like within, you know, the fallacies of philanthropy and the challenges that, you know, underestimated entrepreneurs face. And so it's like, okay, well, that's the next step, you know, like what else can we solve within that, um, that would make things like Yoga Foster, um, more impactful. And now that I'm looking at like building a fund, it's the same thing. I'm looking at all of the challenges of investing and different investment vehicles and, you know, how we can, as a fund, like still perpetuate the same harm as other funds have in the past. It doesn't really matter necessarily that there's a black woman leading it. You know, so then you just, it's kind of like this rabbit hole. You just keep going down, or at least I just keep going down asking these questions. <laughs> like, you know, what are, where else can you start like pulling at this really big, complex issue, right? Similar to, to how we look at racism and systemic oppression. Like it's not, it's not easy just doing one. It's not effective just doing one thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much that needs to get changed. And so I'm just really curious about looking at it from as many angles as possible. And, and then something I've asked you this like so many different ways, and I don't know if I really ever verbalized this question very well, but I guess I, I just want to know, like, what do you think, what is it something about your personality or your training in your education or ex- work experience or something that has led you to be able to like have the confidence to create these projects? Because I think like, I'm just thinking about like a lot of people I know who work in this world and I don't. I think a lot of people, I don't know if they have imposter syndrome or whatever. Like, I just think a lot of people hesitate mm. and I see you not hesitating, like just jumping in. And I just wonder if you have a sense of what, what do you, what, what is it about you or what are you working on in that way? And maybe it goes back to that failure thing. I, I kind of want to touch on that again, but yeah. maybe it's something else. I, I don't, I don't really know. And I appreciate you asking. I think, <sighs> I know that I spent a lot of time not doing things. You know, I was running Yoga Foster as a program, you know, in when I was still in college and I didn't quit my job and take it full time until 2014. So even though it's six years old, right, I was doing it for four or five years prior. And I just never thought that I was like smart enough, good enough, 
capable enough of running it as an actual organization and figuring out a way for me to be able to quit my job and do it. Um, so I know what it feels like to like hold myself back. And I just feel like a lot of times that's my ego and my idea of perfectionism and imposter syndrome, like getting in the way. And so lately I've just been trying to do, you know, just jump in and answer and respond because in many ways, like our world can't wait for me to be, to think that I'm good enough. And I will never think that I'm ever good enough to do anything. I I hope that I will. I hope that like therapy and (laughs) all of that, right? Like, but I do like, I do realize that like, I'm always, I've always still had this like self doubt. Does that make sense? And so it's, that shit can hold me back from, from anything forever. So I try to just jump and then see what happens. And, you know, I hope that I don't cause harm and, you know, I have caused harm. I I think we all cause harm when we're working in harmful systems, but I, I hope that I can do it in the best way and that, um, you know, I can give myself grace and, um, hold myself accountable, you know, for, for the worst that can happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, and I wonder if some of that is, I mean, as a black woman, do you think that's especially important? Because I, I feel like I might give different advice to like people with more privilege, you know, like they don't necessarily need to jump in right away. Like maybe they need to stop and reflect more before Mm -hmm. acting. Um, Like I know some white people that are like trying to start their own new nonprofits and stuff. And part of me is always just like, well, can't you just go and like work with someone else? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or can't you just like um, support another group that's already out there doing the work? Yeah. So is it different that way? Like, for, you know, when you have privilege or not? I, I think so in some ways, um, because I do think that, I, you know, I waited a lot to see somebody that looked like me doing something or to get some kind of permission for doing something, I still find myself like waiting for permission or trying to figure out like, what are the rules? Like, how do I do things? Like, what are the steps of doing things when it's like, "Mm, those things might never open or appear or be designed for me. Right. And I might be waiting for the rest of my life. So I think that, um, but Mm -hmm. I like, you know, especially with like the relative privilege I've gained over the past couple of years, like I'm also really recognizing that, you know, I have a great opportunity to start things. For example, like the COVID fund, it's like, I know people that have access to capital and I know that I can get it. And so I have a responsibility of jumping into this right now. You know, at the time RV was planning on on offering more impact grants because that's what we were doing before COVID. And then we realized that like, oh, well, like our impact grants were about scaling people's existing work. And that just doesn't fit in the world where most of the people that we work with are like, questioning about closing their businesses or trying to figure out how to pay rent. Like that's a different kind of need. And so we're like, well, we have a responsibility to change and to shift. And we have a responsibility to call up the people that have money, right. That we, I can access and get them to give. So I, I, I'm also recognizing that like, I have a lot more opportunities and I have a lot, a bigger voice. I have more people that follow me on Instagram. So, um, in some ways, I have a responsibility of jumping a bit faster. Um, mm. And as to agree with what you're saying, like I also am realizing that the next projects and the things that I'm working on are more behind the scenes, right? Because as much as I can keep throwing new coals into the fire, so to speak, I can also move things around for people behind closed doors. And I'm really focused on that right now. Um, 
because is there is there a next project? Is there another one now? But what you know, what I'm really focused on is you know, we're RV is a fund, right? So how can I make sure that we're redistributing capital to other people that's that's voices and work deserve to be heard? And then how can I also make sure that I'm putting my weight behind other people's projects? So I'm, I'm not planning on launching new things, if that makes sense, anytime soon. I really want to keep advocating for people who don't have the same relative privilege that I do. Because I have a lot of privilege as like a light-skinned, able-bodied Black woman too, you know? Mm-hmm. Who right. Like I get to speak out on a lot of things around racism, for example, because I'm light-skinned and because I have academic privilege and because I've been on like every... Mm-hmm freaking Forbes 30 under 30 list that exists. Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> like that shit doesn't matter to me, but that, that that clout matters to people. I mean, that matters in the system. And so yeah. I do have a lot. Yeah, of you, have, you have a platform yeah. too. Like you have, you have an audience and they're listening to you. Um, and so I think that's, well, that's part of why I'm doing this. It's like, if I have, a, if I have an audience, if I have people who are paying attention, then I need to use that for good. I mean, that's my responsibility. Yep. Um, it's a burden. I don't know if people realize that. Like, I think a lot of people, you know, want to get like a lot of followers on Instagram or whatever, but they don't realize that it's actually a responsibility that you have to take very seriously. Um, you know, like even any kind of fame or celebrity in any way is actually a burden. Um, it's not, I don't think it's what people expect. Um, I think that's kind of a, a confusing thing about our system, you know, that people are, are searching for something that is actually not probably going to be fulfilling um, yeah. and is actually a burden. But I just like, again, I just, I'm amazed by the way you've used your platform. It just blows me away. So um, just really grateful about that. Can we go back to the failure thing? Cause I know I, I keep mentioning it and I, yeah. I want to pull it apart more. I want to understand what you meant by that. Like how, how you related to asana. Like, and I just, I just want to hear more. Like, what do you mean? Well, I think about like, I, I, for me, I'm really interested in trying to grow and learn and develop in anything that I do. And oftentimes as an entrepreneur, I find it's difficult to be challenged um, because it's easier to play to your strengths. You know, I, I am a, uh, I don't have a manager, you know, I'm, I'm accountable to a broad community, but it's not like when I had a traditional nine to five job that I had somebody like really looking at me and challenging me and developing me and growing me. Does that make sense? And so yeah. when I start working on new projects or new ideas, it's like, I really do have to challenge myself to say like, what can I achieve and what can I be capable of? And that means getting past my imposter syndrome of what I think I can't do. So I never thought that, for example, I could raise a lot of money. And so being running a nonprofit, as you know, <laughs> can't really be yeah. afraid or question whether or not you can raise money. I spent like the first couple of years at Yoga Foster doing that. And then we didn't get anywhere because our, the leader of the company was too afraid to ask people to get right for checks. Right. Uh, and so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like, okay, so the only way that I can move past that for me, in my opinion, is like, I have to get as quickly as possible to those moments where I fail, because that's when I learned to do things better. So like if I am afraid of asking people for money and I never ask them money for money, I'm never going to get better at it. 
right? And I'm never Mm going to move my work forward. And so it's like, okay, well, I just need to sit down and write a hundred emails. I used to do this thing where I'd write a hundred cold emails to random people to start those conversations around them funding or investing or supporting or partnering with the work. And, you know, that was just my way of being able to say, like, you're putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to fail. Like 99 people are not going to email you back every single day you know, on average, but that one person that does is all that matters anyway. And after a while, I get really comfortable with rejection and the shame that comes with it and the microaggressions or macroaggressions I face as a black woman, like it just becomes Mm. a part of the practice. And so that's what I think about with failure. It's like, if I want to raise a fund and I want to raise millions of dollars to be able to reinvest, like I have to start somewhere. And so then maybe that's giving away $5,000 at a time. And that's how I started. And and how did your yoga practice help you with failure? It sounds like you're, you're saying it's a practice, but I just want to understand, you mentioned asana earlier that like you learned from not being able to do something. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, right. Like me avoiding poses that I always felt that like were physically challenging or, you know, I've, I've always been afraid of inversions. Always. I, 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 early on, I did an inversion in an unsupported space where I shouldn't have, and I hurt my neck and it was scary. And I kind of blacked out for a little bit. And so I just decided I would never go upside down again. And it's like, that's a choice, right? Like that's a choice in a safety mechanism in my body. And I honor that. And I also know that if I never give myself the safety, the structure, the support, the guidance, the grace of trying that again, then I will always live in a space where I'm afraid of something that I could be capable of, right? Or I could really enjoy. And so for me, that's like, to me, asana is so important because it allows me to put myself in discomfort and ensure that I'm safe and um, I have the structure that I need to be able to do that, right? And I think that's a good way of thinking about um, challenging ourselves in other aspects of our lives. Is like, how can we be as resourced as possible to, yeah. you know, to try something new and to allow ourselves to fail and be comfortable with that process? Um, so I like to try that with work too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that failure is for me i mean it gets right to the heart of um yoga and and like the the idea that um we're working on the mental level only like i feel like yoga to me is a lot about learning about getting perspective on my mind and um because otherwise my mind just takes over and it's like 100 percent in charge and i'm 100 percent identified with my thinking and my thoughts and yoga is about kind of like getting below that um level of constant mind chatter to some something deeper like a heart level connection and i and i guess sometimes i feel like the failures that i experience if i can if i am able to learn from them it can do that as well it can actually take me deeper even though it's often uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, you know what i mean to like to realize wait that's not it's not all it's like not all ego you know like his e- my ego could get hurt very easily if I fail. Yeah. Um, but then maybe it's a, a lesson that I need to learn. And that's kind of what yoga is trying to show me anyway, is like the ego isn't like we put our kind of like what I was saying about celebrity too. Like, I think we put so much faith in ego mind and celebrity and success and all the things that we think in the West we need. And, and I don't know if that really works. Like yoga shows us another way. Right. Um, 
right. you know, connection and love and relaxation, things like that are valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And just also embracing the process of it all. Right. Like I find it so ironic that like I get celebrated so much and like there's so much ego that drives like how people perceive me. Right. Like the lists and the the titles. And it's like, I think I, for the, like the, the companies that I have started and the things that people think me think of me for, it's like, gosh, there's just been so much like hard shit. So many things that I've like walked away from so many mistakes that I've made. It's like, I wish that we talked about people for like what they've overcome rather than like what they're championed for, because it's just so much missing from the story. Right. And I think like you're saying, like, to me, that is the practice. Right. And it's so easy to just, we just celebrate those, like those big moments or like those, those, those moments of ease. Right. But those, they all, need mm. like the challenge and the struggle and that's what I'm really interested in and um that's what I really love about at least my relationship to wellness as an entrepreneur mm. is being able to <laughs> figure all that shit out <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, it's important I think what you're saying because I, I think most um most real like I don't know productive things seem to come out of that struggle like I, I just know for myself like it's because there was something that wasn't working or that I was upset about or overwhelmed by, that's why I did some action and why I ended up, you know, teaching or creating a organization. Like it all, it comes out of that struggle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's, I think that's yoga too. Like that, you know, if we can, um, I mean, it's so trite, I guess to say it, but like learn from the (laughs) struggle and then make something good out of it. It seems kind of ridiculous to say it that way. But um, yeah, it is though. I mean, it's, it's sometimes the trite things are trite because they're diverse, right? <laughs> so yeah. I, agree. I agree. And I also, it's like, to me, it's like, how do we choose to be in relationship with ourselves? Right. And how do we yeah. choose to be in relationship with those challenges? And I think one way, at least for me, is to like to really be an inquiry with them and, and try to see like, what can I do? How can I be in practice with that? What does it look like to be in practice mm. in an equitable system? What does it look like to be in practice with some of like the most damaging and challenging like moments of my, my career? And, and we could talk about this outside of it too, but I'm, and I'm just like rooting it within entrepreneurship, but I do think about that in other aspects of my life. And, you know, when I show up on the mat in the physical practice as well. So can you say more about that? I mean, so what is that like off the mat though? Like I want to hear. So Um, yeah. how? Like I think like one thing was like yoga journal that we've, I know you and I have talked about. It's like, yeah, let's talk about yoga journal. Yeah. Like, you know, having experiences where people have racially discriminated against me have happened a lot in my career. You know, there's been so many times. I remember one of the earliest funding opportunities we had at Yoga Foster was with a foundation that said yes and then said no a few days later. So they rescinded their offer because they didn't like that I was consulting on the side while I was just running my nonprofit. And that was really, and they ended up going with these two Stanford grads that were like, they weren't even grads. They were actually two Stanford um, students and pursuing their graduate degree that were doing some mindfulness program that was supported by their um, college, supported by their major or whatever, you know. Um, instead of going with me. And I remember just feeling so ashamed that like I wasn't in a position where I could be working on my company full time without having to pay my bills, right? Which is 
really fucked up, right? Like that is not a burden to bear that like I am running a nonprofit at the time. We were less than a year old. And ironically, this funding would have been the first funding that we had received that wasn't program related that could go directly to my salary. So it was just like a really big slap in the face. Anyway, like that kind of stuff has happened all the time. And I wish that I had talked about it sooner. And so I, uh, you know, internalized a lot of that. I carried a lot of that. And so when something with Yoga Journal happened, which is when like most people learned about me, it kind of feels like it happened for the first time. Mm -hmm. But it was like the first time that I actually did something in in relationship with something where I felt like I was I was reclaiming my voice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like. You, you, it's like taking back power by actually changing the narrative of your struggle. So like, it's, it's not, it's not so much that like we have to say that struggle is good or anything, but it's like, okay, we're all struggling. And then once we've like learned the lesson from that situation, we can actually control it and act more and do something like create something positive out of it, like use it for our own benefit rather than just continue to be kind of victimized by it. I don't yeah. know if that's fair to say, but it sounds like you used the, you used what had happened to you and you actually turned it around. I mean, that's what I think when we first spoke, I was blown away by what the way you had taken a yoga journal situation and like turn it around as like, I thought, because it's to me, what it showed is like how well you had processed it, mm-hmm. that you were able to speak about it so clearly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it like wasn't an emotional reaction. It was just like a very clear, like analysis. Yeah. Um, and, and that was so helpful to the world. I mean, I think you just made a huge impact on the yoga world by like responding so clearly to that, to racism, yeah. you know, on their, on, from yoga journal. Yeah. And actually they've been talking to me a lot. Like they, they're still like, that it's, it's so impactful. I just want you to know like what you've done. I mean, they just, um, I can't speak for them, obviously, but I can just see that they're still trying to figure out like how to do better. And um, yeah, like you made you made such a positive impact. I see, um, not only there, but just for all of us, the way you turned that into something like an education. You educated us. Yeah, and you know, it was like, and when I posted it, I wasn't like planning on doing it for anybody else other than me, and like other people that I felt that way. You know what I mean? It's like, and that was a big thing yeah. for me too. And how I think about like my work, it was like, but saying that and putting it out there was a way for me to say like, I, yeah. I am putting myself before this industry. I'm putting myself before what we view as success. And like, if this is the thing that ruins my company or ruins, you know, my career, then like, so fucking be it. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it was it's similar to what I said before, it was like, these are the things that are coming up as I do the work and like the whole irony that I wasn't quote unquote good enough to be on the cover despite the work that I do was kind of like, mm. well, then what is this industry actually for? You know what I mean? Like, what is right. this work actually for? What is playing this game actually for? And like, what are we serving? Who are we serving? And how am I actually in service if like my work that I've done is not good enough to justify celebrating a person that looks like me? You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. because again, like a person that looks like me is like, I'm a fucking size zero. So like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's not like yeah. I'm really turning heads in the industry when it comes to like, it shouldn't, it's, uh-huh. it's like ridiculous. 
for this. <laughs> also, I just want to say, like, I don't mean it should be. I don't. I don't think people should like have performative suffering or that it should be used and marketed. I'm saying, like, in like you like what you just described exactly that you just like used it for yourself. Yeah. And reframed your narrative and helped support you and other people who have struggled in that way. And I, I feel the same way. Like for me, I've never quite figured out how to talk about my like AIDS activism with my yoga practice and like it feels like two very separate things when I speak about them but I know in my heart that they are the same yeah. and um I'm still trying to figure that out like I don't know how to talk about um yeah like I I guess I'm trying I'm doing I'm trying to do that like I want to reclaim my story and my experience for myself first but then also for other people that have um similar experiences yeah. I think that um hopefully they could go through less suffering to know like how I've learned from it already, I guess mm -hmm. that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like you know, there's just a need. I, I think just the industry is calling for like a redefinition of what wellness means to begin with, yeah. you know, yeah. because I, I, to me, like I don't have experience with the AIDS that I wasn't alive for that time or I was young during that time. And like, I don't see that. I couldn't even see that as separate, you know? And so for somebody like me that doesn't have that direct experience or, or know it from, you know, from being present during it, um, I, I wish that we talked about it more. I wish that we saw it more seen in the industry as part of what it means to reclaim our right to be well. That's yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's such a, we have such a strange definition um, of wellness. Well, what is, what is it to you then? Can you say like, what is wellness? Uh, to me, what it means to me or what I think it looks like. Yeah, what are, either one. To me, wellness is like the capacity to choose, like to be an agency with your body and how your body and your mind move through this space, not just your physical body, your 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 physical, how you show up in this world. You should have full agency to choose how to take care of yourself. And I think that that is beyond like what yoga studio we decide to walk in. I think that yeah. this industry kind of aligns like well-being with like a, a manifestation of the productivity era, right? Like everyone should meditate 15 minutes a day because it helps you like do better at work or <laughs> right? yeah. trying to go after this like optimal body to like, it's all, I think it's all bullshit. And it also operates off of a false assumption that we all have equal yeah. opportunities to be well to begin with. Does that make sense? I mean, it doesn't make sense exactly. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's that it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what we were saying before. It's like the agency over your, your story, over your, uh, over your body and your mind and like feeling like, um, you're, yeah, like, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like, that you're not dependent on an external thing. Like, I think that's kind of where I go with wellness or even like with yoga, the definition of yoga to me is just like that you are complete within and of yourself. Like it's not, and then, and then by doing that, you're going to actually be in community in a real way with others. Um, but um, it's almost the opposite. It's like the, the wellness industry is more like judging you based on a standard that's external to you. Mm -hmm. Um so like for an example that I always think of is I had a student who had a shoulder injury and he was, he was like a full-time yoga teacher and he had to have surgery on his shoulder and he was teaching at studios, a number of which told him that he couldn't teach after the surgery because he would have his arm in a 
like in a sling for a while because that is not what they wanted their yoga teachers to look like. Mm. And to me, that just kind of summarized the problem with the current industry because I feel like he would actually be a better teacher in my mind based on his situation and his experience with a shoulder injury because I think he would actually be more knowledgeable and experienced with dealing with shoulders and keeping shoulders safe, right. you know, right. but the industry is as a externally as like a negative. And that just kind of summarizes to me, like the, the problem with wellness as a kind of performance yeah. um, rather than as a embodiment of ourselves where we feel yeah, more whole and, and full regardless of what other people judge us as. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think so much of it is, it's all skewed. Like we have a wellness practice and we have a wellness industry and the industry is defined by capitalism. And so much of what we perceive as wellness or well-being is defined by capitalism, right? And you can't, it's hard to sell somebody something if they feel like they are inadequate without it. You see what I'm saying? So like how so much of capitalism just per, helps to protect that gap and help to protect um, these inequities. Right. So the way to fight against that is to actually f- become, um, to, to have more agency over your mm-hmm. life and over your body to like, the more we can in each of us feel more full, I think the less power we give to away actually, mm-hmm. and give away to the system, um, especially for marginalized people. It yeah. seems to me like that's where wellness and that's like what kind of what you're doing. I mean, that, well, that is what you're doing. You're empowering people um, to find that, right? Trying. I mean, trying within, you know, I I use a lot of, a lot of my work is deeply rooted in capitalism. So in some ways, yes, I'm trying to empower and trying to help. And in other ways, like I'm also actively participating in an inequitable system. So, you know, when you think about like harm and intent versus impact, like I also have to recognize like where I am not helping and where I am hurting too. Mm. So, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's part of it. And I, I mean, I appreciate that, like your willingness to, to do that. It's so, um, it's beautiful actually that you're willing to do that. Um, well, okay. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I just, I guess I just had one last question. I was thinking about um, anti-racism daily and like all the different topics that you've covered. And I, I just want to share that I, you, you know, you, you're the, where I first heard about Grace, um, that teenage girl that um, I believe in Michigan who was being uh, put into juvenile detention for not doing her homework during COVID. And um, it just echoed so strongly for me because she's the same age as my daughter and has very, like very similar issues as my daughter who is in um, my daughter's in um, residential treatment and um, really struggling. But like I've avoided, you know, my daughter has avoided having to go into juvenile detention. Mm -hmm. I think mostly because of my privilege and the fact that I'm white and I was able to like figure out a place for her to go. And um, it just that I've just been following that story and I'm just grateful to you for bringing that up. I I guess my, my question though is really more just like, what are, is there like some favorite topic that you've had so far or something that you've learned about through this process? Cause I, it's just unbelievable that the breadth of um, topics that you cover. And I know you have other writers too, but I just feel like you're covering this incredible breadth of material every day. It, it's kind of just blowing my mind. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm back to school in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, at this point I'm writing, you know, we do have more writers and bringing on more writers. And um, so at this point I'm probably writing like five out of the seven, but for most of the past 70 days, I've been writing every day. I spend like three to four hours a day researching and writing. Um, So yeah, it's, it's definitely feels like a a, a master's class in in anti-racism. I really, the story of grace, um, I can't say it's my favorite because I don't really particularly enjoy anything around racism, but certainly that story and being able to share it so quickly um, was one of my my favorites to write. Um, I've learned a lot mm. about, and also because I'm like very biased, like my work as, you know, my work is so rooted in education that to read a story like that, like that's a big why I show up yeah. foster and why we do our work there. But um, I've actually really appreciated researching politics in the history of um, racism that's that's protected by our, our uh, political system. Um, so voter suppression was something that I did. I knew it existed, obviously, but I didn't fully understand like how deep voter suppression went historically. So I've really appreciated reading that. And it's happening now more like out, like just in the open. Like it just, that's just blowing my oh mind. It's like how open. It's just incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. So I initially wrote about it in relationship to the Kentucky primaries and then wrote about it again briefly. Like I think one of the most uh, mind-boggling issues that we have in America right now is what's happening with the USPS. And so wrote about that yeah. a little bit um, in, in or at least voter disenfranchisement through vote by mail. Um, so those have been really my, I would say my favorite um, because I, you know, Anti-Semitism, like I love that. I love that you talked about that. What did we talk about? Anti-Semitism in the Black community, right? Didn't you talk about? Um, yep. Anti-Semitism. Yep. Yeah, that that was. Powerful. We have a few more of those stories coming up as well because I've tried not to write about things that I don't have a direct experience with and bring in people. Like for example, like we centered a conversation or that conversation um, from um, somebody who identifies as Jewish and Black, and I think that's important. Yeah. But I had never come across anti-race or anti-Semitism in the Black community historically, only through what I've read, you know, through the news. And so that I learned a lot from that yeah. and the history of that. So there's just so much, you know, I'm 31. There's so much of what I write about every day that we never learned in school, that my parents never talked yeah. about. And my education has really just happened as, a, as an adult, only in like the past 10 years of my life that I've really been looking and paying attention to racism. So I'm, I'm personally grateful for this project um, because it's keeping me much more accountable. Yeah, maybe maybe you could do one about um, homophobia, transphobia, unless I missed it. We haven't um, done it yet. That would be but I have a writer working on it. Um, okay, I figured. Yeah, well, it was, it's, again, it's so hard because there's so many things we haven't written about that I've been like, waiting for writers yeah. for. So people are like, well, why haven't you written about this? I'm like, I'm just waiting for people to write, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no problem. No, we have a couple of pieces coming out on that. It's particularly, too, that there's so much happening around um, um, that intersection in prisons. Um, both homophobia and transphobia yeah. in prisons that we're writing about as well and how that intersects with the criminal justice system. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You got a lot of work uh, cut out for you actually with all of that. Anyway, I really, I hope people will um, subscribe and support you and all your work. So I don't know if, you know, we can add links to the show notes, but I don't know if anything, is there anything in particular people could do to support your work? Um, I think it, like one, just like carrying these kinds of conversations into your spaces, um, your wellness spaces, your communities. Um, what does it look like for your community to be well? 
what's standing in the way and what can you do mm-hmm. um, as part of your wellness practice to help dismantle that? Um, I'm also asking mm-hmm. everybody to vote. So do that. Yeah. Figure out what you need right. to do if you need to get an absentee ballot because you're not currently in the state that you are registered to vote in because of COVID. Like, make sure that you can vote. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. That was really exciting mm-hmm. to talk to you. And I'm, I'm grateful for your time and for everything you do. It's just so beautiful and amazing to watch you and learn from you all the time. Well, thanks for being here. Chat soon. Okay. Thank you for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. We hope you'll join us over at our website, AccessibleYogaTraining.com, where you can see everything that the Accessible Yoga Training School is up to, including our flagship Accessible Yoga Training Online, which is a 30-hour continuing education training. We'll teach you a new way of thinking about yoga postures and practices that honors the essence of yoga and will really allow you to design multi-level classes where students of different abilities, shapes, sizes, ages, and experience levels can all practice together with ease. You'll be able to get support from experts around topics like trauma-informed teaching, working with larger bodies, yoga for seniors, and much, much more with our team of accessible yoga trainers. And since we're learning at home now, no travel expenses, everything's recorded and captioned so you can review materials and work at your own pace. If this work is calling to you, we hope that you'll join us. You can sign up for the wait list over at AccessibleYogaTraining.com. Enrollment opens September 1st. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We'd be really grateful. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.